Thank you, Kelly Robinson, very, very much. And get my log over there where I can watch it all morning. And uh, good morning to you. Happy few days after Christmas. Happy couple days before New Year's. We are live on this Saturday. Where I am in Texas, it's a beautiful Saturday. I'm north of Dallas, and hopefully you're having a beautiful Saturday as well. We're here to talk about gardening. Jared Taylor is running the boards, and he is uh, answering the phones, and he is screening the calls and putting it up on my call screen, and um, then I answer the questions, which I've done now for almost 50 years, five zero years. It may turn into a full-time job for me, a career, and I hope it will because I sure enjoy being with you. I hope you'll call uh, because it surely makes the program a lot easier if you call. The number is 888-256-1080. We broadcast to Amarillo and uh, to the uh, uh, the, the uh, big country of uh, Big Spring and Midland, Odessa and Brownwood and all through that area, Pecos also to uh, uh, Alpine, Victoria, Corpus Christi. I don't have the list right in front of me, but Bryan College Station. Been with uh, them all the way through. I've been doing this program 35 years, and they've been very loyal. That was the first place I was ever place I was ever on the radio station. I grew up in College Station, and I went to WTAW to be on their air when I was in the, I guess, ninth grade, I think. We had a school project. And so that was the beginning of what did turn into kind of a radio career. Uh, Crockett, Madisonville, and all around. And so thank you to all my stations, all my affiliates that carry the program, and, and I appreciate you very much. It's fun doing this. So once again, 888-256-1080. A lot of people doing a lot of things right now. Some of you are probably watching football on TV. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. We are not watching football on TV at our house. Two reasons. I think I'm about to give up on college football with all the portal transfers. Gosh, it's like a shuffling deck. You can't tell who's on what team. And secondly, our TV died last night. Came home to watch the Buckeyes play Missouri. And it's probably just as well that that did die. It was dreadful. Just dreadful. But uh, the 65-inch television set is as black as midnight, six years old, and we called today, and it'll either be repaired or replaced, but it's not just a simple little switch to reset or something. Bummer. And then uh, went upstairs to go to bed in my adjustable bed. The motor died, and so I'm sleeping all night in what is about like sitting at the bus station all night. <laughs> It froze in an up position, reading position. Okay. <laughs> I didn't have that much to read. So I'm trying to broadcast now in that uh, corrupted position. My body is not shaped that way, or it wasn't until this morning. So anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's how that went. Um, if you are not interested in college football and would like to call a gardening talk show, it will save another 50 minutes of this kind of dribble. 888-256-1080. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we need to do right now uh, in late December, early January. There is a lot of important stuff that needs to be done now that cannot be done any other time of the year. That's what we can talk about, and I'll get my first break out of the way so we can talk about it. Neil Strace, Lone Star Gardening is my book. 
This is the first book that I have done where I got to call the shots. Not necessarily a control freak, kind of am, but um, the reason I bring that up is I got tired of committees at uh, publishing companies telling me what had to be in my books when I felt like you are not gardeners. You don't know what, what real plant people want to see in a book, what they need to know about gardening in Texas. And so I decided I'm going to hire Carolyn Skye, who is a master gardener and a retired uh, senior publications editor at a major California university. I'm going to hire her and, and also a good friend that I've known for a long time uh, to do the editing of my book and Cindy Smith, a graphic designer with whom I had worked for years and years, 15 years. Uh, at that time. And I said, how about the three of us put a book together? And they said, love to. And that's where Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening came about. I self-published it. 840 of my photographs, 344 pages, all the text that I wanted to put in. It is the uh, gardening reference that I always wanted in the first place. The fifth book I've done, the first one that is really done the way I wanted it. It's a hardback printed on high quality paper and printed in Texas so that it says that on page whatever it is, three or four, printed in Texas, not printed in China. That was important to me. So if you'd like to get a copy of it, uh, it's not in stores, not on Amazon. The only way you can buy it is to buy it directly from my website uh, because it isn't in stores or on uh, Amazon. I chose to do that because I could sell it to you about $20 cheaper if I sold it directly and took all those middle people out of the out of the mix. And so it's only $34.95 satisfaction completely guaranteed. I do that because you don't get to see it before you buy it in many cases unless you've seen somebody else's copy. I've sold 85,000 copies and I have not yet been asked to refund on any one of them. So I, I think the odds are pretty good you're going to like the book. So the way that you buy it, oh, and, and the 11 chapters cover basics of gardening in Texas. That they include soils and climate and things of that sort. Uh, chapter two is a 48-page calendar that tells you when to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all the plants that you're growing in your landscape and garden. And never had that in any book before. Chapters three through 11 are trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. They're extremely detailed chapters with lots of illustrations uh, where it's appropriate charts and lists of the best plants to help you make the best selections and be successful in your gardening endeavors in any, any county, every county in the Lone Star State. Now, the ways that you buy it, you, uh, you buy it directly from my website. That's at neilsperry.com. My office is still closed over the holidays. But uh, go to Neil Sperry, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. I took a big batch of books to the post office yesterday, so I'm current, I'm caught up, and uh, I'd like to get one to you. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening at neilsperry.com. Let me tell you about the certification program of the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association. This began about 40 years ago. It was about the time I began doing commercial radio 45 years ago. And I was still with the Extension Service, and then there were committees being formed and having meetings, and I was in on some of those committees uh, where there was discussion of a certification program to train the nursery employees in Texas to bring them up to a new level of expertise. And it was really kind of leading the pack in the United States. 
Sterling Cornelius from Houston, a beloved nurseryman uh, who everybody respected and still does, although we've lost him, uh, was uh, the leader of that, and, and a lot of the extension workers were working very hard on it. And it was fun and exciting to watch it develop and unfold. I believe Sterling was uh, given honorary certification program uh, uh, number one uh, uh, and uh, professional number one, well-deserved. And uh, there now are thousands of Texas certified and Texas master certified nursery professionals, men and women who have studied long and hard hours. They pass tough exams to prove that they know what they're talking about. These are the people that you want to, talk to. These are the people whose advice you want to seek out. These are the people who work at member nurseries of the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association. Texas Certified and Texas Master Certified Nursery Professionals. I'll be back with more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. All right, folks, if you want to call, you need calling at a quarter of 12 and say, well, I never can get in. You can get in right now. I'll tell you right now, you can call and you can make it through. It is 888-256-1080. 888-TOLL-FREE-256-1080. Call now. A couple of things that I really hope you'll get done and be ready for the winter ahead. Remember that you always want to disconnect hoses from faucets. We should have been talking about this back in late October, November, but I don't know about you, but I have not had a killing freeze in my landscape yet. And uh, this is crazy. We've never gone into the new year without a killing freeze in the 47 years that uh, my wife and I have lived uh, outside McKinney, Texas. That's northeast of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. It is historically uh, one of the, the coolest, I'll say it coldest, although those of you who have moved into Texas from Minnesota would say he's referring to that as coldest. Um, but it's historically uh, one of the coldest parts of the Metroplex. And yet uh, plants that I have in my landscape that, that freeze to the ground with the first killing freeze, like my wood ferns, are still standing strong. And But still, you need to disconnect hoses from faucets, drain your hose end sprinklers, just make sure that things are ready for the winter because it can sneak up on you. Uh, we've become rather uh, 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 just casual about it right now because we think, oh, it's must not going to be freezing. It's going to freeze this winter. And then also the second part of that, and then we'll get to a call, is you need to buy a roll of frost cloth and have it on hand. In fact, I would recommend that you go ahead and cut it to fit over the plants that you have um, and, and have rocks, uh, bricks work well, uh, neatly stacked somewhere that, that can be used to weight it down to the ground. But have the frost cloth already cut and, and mark it, tag it, so you know which piece of frost cloth goes over what group of plants. That, that's if you have perennials or ground cover. I have a couple of big beds of aspidistra, cast iron plant, and I have to cover them because we are so far north. And uh, so I have those marked and I put them in big plastic trash bags, conspicuously marked that they're not trash and which bed they, they will cover. And that works out quite well. It worked well until early this morning when Zeus the dog decided he wanted to go in and run around in the Aspidistra, which he does all summer because it's cool in there and he's inside the frost cloth and he can't get out. So we'll have some, some uh, pegging down of the frost cloth to, to redo. 
Uh, I have it down because I had some help before a friend left town for two weeks, and I thought, you know, if I if I don't get it done now, and while he's gone, we get a cold front, I'll be I'll be uh, hurting, and uh, we haven't needed it at all. But uh, but the plants were protected in case. All right, so that's a couple of things that need to be done right now. That's just an example. Dave is in San Angelo. He's our first call for today, and Dave, I appreciate that. How may I help you? Good morning. Good morning and uh, happy New Year to you. I've got a couple Same problems. Same to you. Thank you. Sir. You know, I'm out in the I'm out in the desert and uh, almost desert, and I've got clay, red clay soil in my yard. And what amendments? Can, what can I do to you know treat that soil? All right. No matter where you live in this world. The answer will always be the same, whether it's in the in the rainforest or in the desert or in <laughs> San Angelo, which is not what the people in the Mojave would call desert. Uh, no, no. You use organic matter. You use organic matter. Organic matter is a broad sweep term that refers to something that was once living. And, and in that category, I put things like uh, compost and uh, shredded pine bark mulch, really fine pine bark mulch. Uh, sphagnum peat moss, uh, rotted manure, uh, just well-rotted manure, so so well de uh, decomposed that you can't tell uh, what it was. You don't want to be able to recognize that it's fresh and still has an aroma. That's not what you want. Just like with yeah. the compost, you don't want to recognize that it's, tr oh, that's oak leaves. I can see them there. Uh, you want to leave it there longer than that. And so those four things are the four components of any organic matter I put in my clay soil that I have. I, I also garden in clay soil. And then there's a fifth item that you add in clays. Uh, Texas A&M did the research on this about 20, 25 years ago. It's called expanded shale, S-H-A-L-E. It looks yeah. a little bit like ground up clay flower pots. Um, it will do a wonderful job of loosening clay soil, especially when you use it in combination with the organic matter. So I'll use, if I'm doing a, a flower bed or a vegetable garden, Dave, I will use four or five inches of the organic matter, uh, generally yeah. about an inch of each one of those. And then I will use one inch of expanded shale. Every time I uh -huh. rework the soil each year, I will add a couple of inches of organic matter. You don't have to add the expanded shale very often, maybe once every five or eight years. You know the problem I've got. You know I've got I've got a couple of raised gardens I've made over the you know over the years and and they do okay. But you know it's so hot here, it's dry. But the problem, you know, I was talking more about my the lawn. You know, and somebody told me gypsum or something like that. But that make any sense? No, it doesn't. Okay. Okay. Uh, good. All it's, right. It's, That's fine. It is. Yeah, it is said frequently. Gypsum is uh, is a product that will take sodium out of soil. If you're in an area where there is a lot of sodium in the irrigation water, then uh, if if your so if your soil test shows that you have a high sodium content, then yes, you could use gypsum to to replace the sodium with calcium. But okay. people who think that sodium that gypsum will loosen a clay soil are mistaken. It does not do that. Okay. All right. And uh, I did. I, other, I actually did that testing myself many years ago. Oh, did you? <laughs> hey, uh, my other question was, 
I, we compost, you know, we compost our leaves and grass clippings and all that. And the problem I've got when I get the compost, you know, the material out of there, it's, I got grubs. Is there, is there some way I can treat the, get rid of the grubs, you know, when I get ready to pull it out? They won't be a problem for you. First of all, I'll bet they're a different species. A lot of times in the compost, what you'll see is a very large grub, much larger than the one that does damage. Uh, yeah, they are big ones. Them, You're right. Uh, they're big, fat ones. Okay. That's a different beetle altogether, and it is not one. Those grubs don't feed on, on your important plant roots, and they're usually not present in enough numbers to do damage anyway. Uh, the little one that is of the June beetle, uh, that does damage when it is present in, in quantities. Uh, that one is um, uh, uh, is much smaller, okay. and the grub for that is much smaller. Uh, it will be active. I, I don't know the exact week or month, uh, but in most of the area equivalent to San Angelo and Dallas-Fort Worth, it's going to be very active flying in June, and then the grubs are going to start to hatch, and uh, the eggs will hatch, and the grubs will become visible, although very tiny, in early August. They'll be BB-sized at that point. That's the species that does the damage in late August and September, October. The one you have may even have a two- or three-year life cycle, but it's not active. It, it's active in the compost. It's usually the uh, rhinoceros beetle, the, the great big beetles that look scary and are harmless. Don't worry about them. And plus the fact that you're disturbing them completely when you lift the compost out and put them in the soil and, and rototill it. Even if they were the damaging kind of grubs, they have no life after you do that. You've completely destroyed them. Oh, is that right? Their, their, huh? Yeah. So don't worry about them at all. Not a problem. Okay. Uh, you mentioned I I something gonna... about... You, you mentioned something about the heat and uh, that being a, a problem. You can garden very well in San Angelo. Uh, the secret in, in vegetable gardening and flower gardening to a large degree, but especially vegetable gardening, is to know exactly the time that you have to plant each crop. You have a two or three week window, and if you miss that window for some reason or another, let's, let me give you an example. If you're, if you're trying to plant, uh, uh, we'll say, uh, uh, broccoli, and you know that that window is going to be the middle of February for your area, and you get called out of town on an emergency family thing or business or something and you're gone for four weeks you get back in in march it's too late for the broccoli to have time to mature before it gets too hot so you say okay i'm not yeah. going to plant broccoli this year i'll just have to buy it at the grocery and you plant something that is heat tolerant then you change to green beans or something else and and but you have to hit that window and that's the critical thing i see people planting onions in march or they plant English peas in April or no. And that especially happens to people who move into Texas from the north and they're used to their own planting dates there. It doesn't translate. It's all related yeah. to the average date of the last killing freeze for any given part of the state. And uh, oh, so that's, okay. that's, 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 that's the we, secret. We, you, know, you, can, you, you can garden. Go ahead. No, the I was going to say only, you can garden in, in Tom Green County. Tom Green, yeah, you're right. Tom Green County. We the only thing we've been have had had luck with is is various kinds of lettuce, and we've had uh, onions and and uh, you know uh, chives that kind of thing. But tomatoes, we I guess we put them too late. We can't get them to set, and 
you know, other stuff we put in. Just, well, what we tried different types of, tomatoes? of We've tried the cherry tomatoes and we've tried the bigger ones. You know, I don't know what the exact names were, but we've tried a couple different varieties and the, we, I can never get them to set. You know, it's, it's like we do all this, we shake the bushes, you know, shake the, the, the uh, plant and do all this other stuff. And, and I stay with the small to mid-sized varieties, stay away from okay. heirlooms and most of all, stay away from large fruiting varieties because they will not set at high temperatures, small and mid-sized yeah. varieties will. There's a physiological problem with the large varieties. You don't shake your thump. You thump the flower clusters with your fingertip. That will vibrate oh. the pollen loose within the flowers. Uh, you plant okay. uh, uh, one to two weeks after the average date of the last killing freeze for Tom Green County. You need to okay. find out when that is. I, I'm assuming that it's going to be late March. I don't know. But that's an easy, yeah. you ask a Siri or you, you Google it. Just what is the yeah. average day of the last killing freeze for San Angelo, Texas? And it'll tell you exactly. And so you, you work with that and, and you could plant of the, on, on the average date, you just look at the weather forecast. And if it says it's likely to freeze four days from now, you don't do it. But, but uh, that's when you plant, uh, the best varieties, I'll probably leave one or two out, but you start with the, the red cherry and, and super sweet 100 and you come up to, uh, yeah. then Roma and, uh, uh, early girl, which was a good variety 50 years ago, and then we kind of left it alone. Now it's back again. Um, and, and then I'm guessing we we put celebrity. we're just doing it. Too, I'm guessing we're just doing it too late. <laughs> that's a killer. From what you that is said. a killer. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, killer. yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your answers, and I won't worry about the grubs anymore. I was I was concerned about them. I thought that when I dump them in my you know, I take it from the compost into the garden. I'm thinking they're going to eat their plants, you know, the roots and all that stuff. No, you know, so. no, okay. they won't. And and by that time, by that time, they have finished their eating. The If, if you had the, the bad kind of grubs and you don't, uh, if you had them, their their active feeding time is August, September, early October, not in the spring. They're okay. done. They're uh, they're pupating uh, into into June bugs by then, so they're not going to be a problem yeah. for you. You have in Tom Green County one of the finest extension horticulture programs in the state of Texas. So uh, lean on okay. them. Uh, the Master Gardener program there is great. County Extension Horticulturist is great. The whole everything there has been great for forty years. I'll go. I'll go talk to them. I'm. I'm a. I grew up in the city. We had like a. You could you could cut our yard with a weed eater we didn't have weed eaters when i was a kid of course but you know uh, we, it's, so i don't know anything about gardening or plants what, or anything what city were you in well i was in in outside of buffalo new york between uh buffalo and uh niagara falls small city on the gotcha. on the niagara river we had a great soil just there. a little soil different was, climate than what you have in san angelo <laughs> just no a but I, I love it i love it here and i wish i would have gotten here sooner it's it's a great community. They're but friendly people. Anyway. Wonderful people. Yeah. yeah well, I appreciate your call very much. Now. Call me thank, anytime, thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you appreciate very it. much. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Um, that uh, county has, since John Begno was a county horticulturist, all of his career with the Extension Service, from then on, it has just been fabulous. His uh, daughter is very active in one of the big nursery organizations in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it's a legacy family, good family. 
good people, good friends of mine. Um, all right, have a line open, that line open, 888-256-1080. Love to hear from you right now. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Let me tell you about Fertilome right now. This is a Texas-based company. These are people who speak Texan when they, when they bring products into the marketplace. In fact, it is a cooperative company. I think it says that on their website. So I can I'm not breaking any news to you that that the independent retail garden centers and nurseries around Texas own uh, uh, Fertilome and, and have a vested interest in making sure that you succeed and that they have the products that will help you succeed. I really like that about Fertilome and, and uh, they're based right here in Texas. They look after your needs very closely. And that's uh, where their uh, Fertilome Winterizer fertilizer came about. It's not only great for feeding your lawn in the fall if you have St. Augustine or Bermuda, but also for feeding your ryegrass or fescue if you have those as winter lawn grasses. Also for feeding pansies and other winter color plants. It's just good all the way around. It's just another example of the great Fertilome products. They're designed according to Texas needs, they're manufactured in Texas, and they are sold with pride by people who are your neighbors, who are Fertilome dealers at independent retail garden centers all across Texas. So take a, uh, take a good look at the Fertilome products because when you're looking at a, a shelf of Fertilome products, you are in the midst of, you're in the presence of, of uh, uh, gardening royalty, the, 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 the real plant people of Texas. Independent retail garden centers, nurseries, farm supply stores, and also independent hardware stores. Fertilome, ask for it by name. I'll be back with more after these messages. Thank you, Kelly. See, he uses the very same number I do. We concur, 888-256-1080. Give me a call right now. We have a line waiting for you. Let's go to Edie in College Station. Edie, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning to you, Neil. We got some rose bushes, some Floribunda rose bushes for Christmas. Um, we are in College Station, and we're wondering if we can plant them today. They are Absolutely. not their roots. Yay! Yeah. We're they, on the you way say to they the are. They are in Florabunda. pots, you're saying? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. You were asking but me something are, else. No, I wanted to know if I could plant them today, and my follow-up was going to be um, what, uh, let's see, my husband wanted to know how deep the roots grow. Well, um, with any rose bush, they're going to have roots that go down probably, um, I would guess, 15 to 24 inches. The roots that go down 24 inches are going to be very fine, and, and I, I don't know what his concern would be if he's concerned about causing any kind of problems. They certainly won't do that. Uh, Floribundas tend to be smaller plants uh, than Grandifloras and the other uh, larger plants and uh, a little more refined, but uh, the, the roots are not going to be any problem at all. Plant them in, in raised beds, uh, if at all possible. Work the, the bed up before you plant them. Don't just dig a hole in, in College Station soil and plant them. If you can plant them in a bed that's three or four inches above the surrounding grade, there are times, I know we've 
Brazos County's had some pretty dry times here and there the last few summers, but there are times that you guys will get uh, uh, two weeks of rain and uh, soil will be very soggy and that's not good for any plants, roses included. And so it's a good idea to have them just a little bit above grade uh, with a good of organic matter in with them. Plant them where they have full sun and where they have good air circulation around the plants. And uh, that's, that's pretty much it. All righty. Well, we're heading to the garden store to get our amendments now then. All right, a girl. Happy planting. It's a good day for it. Thank you very much. Praying for you, Neil. You're welcome very much. Thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. That line is open, 888-256-1080. My book is Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening, and as I was answering uh, Dave's questions from San Angelo about vegetable gardening and the, the planting dates, I, I was thinking back to how many weeks I worked. It was probably two weeks, three weeks on the chart, the planting chart that is in that, um, in that chapter, vegetable chapter in the book, because it all relates to how many weeks before or after the last killing freeze in your area, you plant vegetables in the spring. Now, for example, uh, onions are the first thing that you would plant, onions and English peas. And in much of Texas and South Texas, they can be planted right now. And uh, within about two or three weeks in the central and north central parts of the state, you'll plant them toward the end of, uh, of January and uh, so forth. It works its way north. And by, by the 1st of February, uh, you're, you're really needing to be planting cabbage and broccoli. And it, it just, it, it's a cycle. And each crop has a planting date for your area. And it all relates to the average last killing freeze for your area. And I tell you how many weeks it is, and then you have to figure back from that. But once you know the average date of the last killing freeze in your area, it's easy for you to figure all of that out and make your own planting chart. And I show you how in the vegetable chapter. And the same thing is done in reverse for fall gardening, back from the average date of the first killing freeze. I worked really hard to make that part simple in the vegetable chapter. There are 11 chapters in my book. Chapter one is the basics of gardening in Texas. And that's where I tell you about the average date of first and last killing freezes. And uh, tell you about the, the soil types of Texas and the rainfall areas of Texas, etc. Chapter two tells you when to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all of the plants in your landscape and garden. That's another place there's redundancy where I tell you when to plant uh, English peas. And I'll tell you uh, early in January in South Texas, late January in North Central Texas, and then I go into February in the Panhandle. Uh, so that's, uh, and, and I'm just using that one crop as an example. Uh, so that's, uh, that's chapter two, the 48 page calendar of when to do all the important garden tasks, four pages per month. Uh, chapters three through 11 are extremely detailed chapters on trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. My goal when I wrote the book was to help you be just flat out successful in gardening in Texas and to do so easily and making the minimum number of mistakes. I tell you that as you buy this book at $34.95, uh, from me directly because it's not in stores and not on Amazon. It will pay for itself by June or I'll buy it back from you for every penny, even if you've used it 
I, I mean, even if it shows signs of use and, and you say, oh, I just don't think I got my money's worth. I've told you that uh, before, and I've never been asked to refund on any book. So I'm, I'm comfortable in making that promise to you. So there is one way you can get the book, and that's from my website at neilsperry.com. My office is closed currently. It's N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. I'll get you a signed copy of the book. I'll be signing uh, tomorrow night, in fact, and uh, then on Monday, and I'll get them out uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, not sure which. So it's Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening at only $34.95. Satisfaction completely guaranteed at uh, neilsperry.com. I'll be back with more after these messages. Thank you, Kelly. We are here every Saturday a little after 11 until just a little before noon. I hope we'll be a regular part of your Saturday activities. Podcasts of the program are posted on my website, neilsperry.com. Uh, usually Monday evenings, by Monday evenings, but with the holidays, it's a little later in the week. A um, couple of things that I want to mention to you quickly that you need to do as soon as you can, because they take some time and, and uh, you'll want to have them done before spring arrives. If you have any power equipment that needs to be repaired, get it into the shop as soon as you can. They're going to take time and get in there before that spring rush. If you're going to have your soil tested, at the Texas A&M Soil Testing Lab. Their website looks nice now, and I like it. Uh, that's uh, soiltesting.tamu.edu. Take a look. Um, all the tests, uh, all the costs and uh, the uh, instructions are there at the website, Soil Testing Laboratory, Texas A&M. Have that done now before the farmers all start sending their samples in. Uh, and then third, if you're gonna be working with a landscape designer, meet with him or her as soon as you can or a landscape architect because you you wouldn't believe i'm in this boat too uh, every friend you ever had wants uh, a landscape plan drawn in the spring and they call you the 20th of february or the first of march and they they've got to have it now and oh come on come on come on and uh, so this is the time to to seek out that professional help and to know how busy they are and, and uh, if you're working with a professional uh, figure out the pay structure and, and be fair to them because it takes a while to do a good landscape plan that you can work with. Alrighty, we'll come right back but let me tell you first about my electronic newsletter. It's called Neil Sperry's E-Gardens. E is e in electronic. And this is kind of exciting news because the uh, next issue of E-Gardens uh, coming out this uh, next uh, uh, Thursday evening at 6 p.m. will begin the 20th year of eGardens. As I said this past week, it was a good idea back 19 years ago, and it still is a good idea. It's uh, free. It comes from my computer directly to your email. And uh, we have about 80,000 subscribers. You have to subscribe because otherwise we don't have your email address. I never give or sell your email address to anybody. And I don't send any spams out myself. You get eGardens, and that's all you get. So you don't have to worry about that. You can always unsubscribe at any time. So, But it has uh, five stories each week. One of the stories is a featured plant of the week. One of the stories is gardening this weekend, where I point out the 10 or 15 things most critical to get done in the ensuing three or four days uh, over that weekend. 
And one of the stories is always my Q&A section where I answer your questions. And there are a couple of other stories. So that's Neil Sperry's eGardens. If you want to see what it looks like, go to my website. That's where you sign up for it. And we leave an archived uh, issue of the latest issue of eGardens right there alongside. Go to Neil Sperry, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. Same place you go to buy my book. But instead of buying the book, you click on the eGardens tab and you can take a look. And I think you'll say, hey, I do want to sign up for that. That looks pretty good. Neil Sperry's eGardens at neilsperry.com. Let me tell you about the certification program of the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association. When you go nursery shopping, you want good help. You want reliable help. You want to know that the people who are giving you advice uh, have timely and reliable information that uh, you can trust. And that's what you get from a Texas certified and Texas master certified nursery professional. These are men and women who have studied long and hard hours. They have passed comprehensive exams, difficult exams that prove that they know what they're talking about. Texas certified and Texas master certified nursery professionals. That means that they are member, they work at member nurseries of the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association. These are men and women companies that band together for the betterment of the Texas nursery industry. I'm proud to recommend them to you. I'm, it's been a joy to work within that organization and alongside that organization all of my career. So look for the name badges, look for the emblems, shop where you see Texas Certified and Texas Master Certified Nursery Professionals at member nurseries of the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. And uh, as we wrap the program up, let me uh, mention a couple of things that you need to be doing now as we have a couple of, uh, uh, a couple of seconds here. Uh, this is the time if you have any plants that need to be moved. You know, we talk about transplanting crepe myrtles that are in the wrong spot. They get too big for their environment. Uh, this is the time to move them. If you have trees in nature, maybe eastern red cedars that you want to move, I want one of those in my landscape. I don't find them in the nursery. I'm going to, I found a source. I want to dig some small ones and move them. The small ones transplant more easily. This is the time to do that. Or uh, any other established landscape shrub or tree in your, in your landscape that you want to move to another spot. It has to be done during the dormant season. Hold as much of the soil around the, the root ball as you can, and that will uh, uh, ensure that the tree has the best possible chance of surviving. Um, if you um, have peach and plum trees, that pruning can begin now. You want a cereal bowl shape to your peach and plum tree when, it is, uh, when you're finished pruning. It needs to be 8 to 10 feet tall and 15, 16 feet wide and uh, no strongly vertical shoots coming out of it. Uh, that will keep the fruit exposed to the sunlight. It will also really reduce the, the chance of limb breakage from overweighting of the vertical branches. You don't want that. Uh, if you have apple trees, they will tend to send up some rockets of branches. Those are called water sprouts and you remove those. But otherwise, most of the growth is left in place. And with pears, you don't do much pruning of pears. Um, if you have 
branches that are rubbing one another or that are damaged from fire blight, for example, you do prune those out, but otherwise no major pruning of pear trees. Uh, if you do any pruning on pears, disinfect your pruning tools between each cut that you make by dipping them in a 10% uh, chlorine bleach, 90% water solution. When you're finished with all the cutting, then rinse and oil the, the cutting surfaces so they don't rust. That's a good start. Jared Taylor, nice job on the program. Everybody listening, nice job from your end. Until next week, thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Happy gardening.